You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's going on, Fight fans? It's another episode of Wants to Watch with me, your host, as always, Sean Basto. Today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Sajid David, who's 8 and 1. He's from Derby. He's looking to progress his career onto the next level in 2020. He's going to be fighting this coming weekend, the 29th of February 2020. And he's coming off the back of a loss on the undercard of Amir Khan's fight with Billy Dib in Saudi Arabia last July. So it's going to be interesting to hear a little bit about that and what happened in that particular instance. But this is all about getting to know these prospects and getting to know their journeys. So of course, we're going to be talking about where it all began for Sajid and how he's progressed throughout his amateur and professional career. Now before we get into this episode, I want to tell you guys to go and find us on social media, on Twitter at Wants to Watch Pod and on Facebook, BTR Boxing Podcast Facebook page to go and check out all the latest episodes of the many series that we are currently doing and while you're there please go and give this podcast a rating go and let us know what you think about this podcast give us five stars even if you have to write fluffy bunny as your review i don't care five stars really helps us because it puts us up in the charts in the itunes and the apple podcast charts and more people get to see this podcast and they get to be able to download these episodes and all these great prospects that we've had on over the years so please go and give us a rating on the Apple Podcast chart. We really, really appreciate it. So let's get into it then, guys. This is 8 and 1, Sajid Abid. So, Sajid, it's great to get you on our Ones to Watch series. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to me. No, I appreciate you for having me, mate. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. So, Ones to Watch is all about getting to know you, getting to understand you as a fighter, what you've done in your career, what your journey's been like through boxing. So, the first question I've got for you is... Where mm-hmm. did it all begin for you? 
So it started when I was about 12, going to be honest. I had no idea about boxing, couldn't fight to save my life. My uncle, um, as guitar, he basically just looked at me and thought, you know what, we need to we need to toughen you up. So he brought me into boxing. He said, you know, best way to explain myself, I pretty much looked like Harry Potter's Asian cousin when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I was just, I was just, uh, I was a soft kid. So uh, my uncle brought me into it, was training on and off quite a while. Then, then got fully back into it when I hit, it's about 17, 18. Obviously, once you start boxing, it was one of those things like a drug. You can't, you can't get off it, mate. So, when you first stepped into the gym, that first time, can you uh-huh. remember what that feeling was like? Oh, mate, it was daunting. To be honest, I'm. <laughs> it, it, I can, I can assure you, definitely wasn't my environment. My environment is sitting on my computer playing games and whatnot. <laughs> so, when I walked to the gym, it was like, oh, mate, a whole different world for me. But it, honestly, it took probably a month, and it just became, you know. Second nature to me, my second home. Going back to, to to sort of where it all began for you, you talked a little bit about what was going on in your personal life, and you talked about you know sort of the daunting feeling that you get going into the gym, and you also mentioned the fact that you you had no idea and you couldn't fight for toffee. So when you was there for the first few times, what 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 was it like trying to learn the basics? What what was it like trying to learn the technique and of the sport? To be honest, it was. I'm going to be I'm going to be honest in saying it wasn't difficult to begin with because at that age you know I was just soaking everything in like a sponge pretty much. My family are you know they're naturally good at sports. You know got a history of decent level footballers. Michael um, himself you know he, he was a good boxer himself. Um, so naturally you know we were pretty athletic family. So it didn't take me long to pick it up. But it's just the thing is I was very impatient. So, you know, the moment I started learning one thing, I wanted to move on to the next as soon as possible without actually, um, you know, perfecting what I already knew. Um, so in that sense, I'd say I was really impatient at that age. It's, it's difficult because, like, some people get into the sport and they, they've either got a natural ability to be able to learn the techniques, to, to, to learn how to throw a backhand, to learn how to throw a hook correctly and an uppercut correctly. And, and and sometimes it can be quite frustrating going in there, and, and you just can't get it right on them days. And yeah, when, you, when, when you was learning the tr- when you was learning your craft, mm-hmm. what was there was there any days where you walked in and felt to yourself like, Look, can I really do this? Or did you did you fly? Did you fly through it? You know, what? sparring would be one of the main main days to say that. It's because, look, you know, I'm training uh, training. God knows how many um, days a week. I end up getting my ass handed to me in sparring. I think to myself, you know, is this really for me? So, you know, when you're young, either two things happen. You either fight or flight early. So um, I, I just took to the sport and just kind of like just just honed my skills, really. But yeah, I'd, I'd say during sparring, you know, it's, it's when things are evident that, you know, certain things aren't working, you know, and I would get myself down. But, you know, the more I train, the more comfortable I got with things. You start to realise that not every day is going to be perfect. It's true, and and that's what people don't appreciate. They don't see that because that's behind closed doors. You know, obviously you're you're training daily. You have got your routine. You're going in. You're going out, and you're going home. And you're doing whatever you're doing. People don't fully appreciate that there is days like that where you know you can't always be on point every single day, and it takes a lot of hard work and dedication to kind of get yourself mentally motivated to be in a position to, to succeed in the sport you trained you've gone in there you, you you're starting to enjoy what made you make the decision to to then start to box competitively so um when, when i first started well before i first before i started i was heavily asthmatic so my fitness was horrendous mate literally like before boxing football was my sport 
So I'd always shove myself in goals because I know for a fact that the moment I run like two meters, I'm dead. <laughs> I need my asthma pipe straight away. <laughs> when I started boxing, I started to um, start to see the difference. You know, instead of two meters, I'd run like 20, 30 meters easy, which obviously isn't a lot, but you get the comparison, right? <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, so my, my 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 fitness improved, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm. Not only am I liking boxing, I'm liking the impact it has on my outside life as well. Um, so I, it, it just stuck with me since. Talk about going competitive then. Talk about becoming uh, an amateur fighter and, and what that brings and, and the differences, obviously, that that brings to, to, to what it's like being a professional now. Yeah, so basically what happened was I was I was still, still in college uh, when I turned amateur. I, admit, I was messed by in college. I wasn't going through anything. But yeah, so I wasn't studying or anything, and parents were always on my case, like, look, what are you going to do? I mean, it clicked to me, like, I really, I really want to become a professional boxer. You know, whilst I was still at college, my um, my uncle helped me, got me an amateur fight, and it was just a one amateur fight. Like, my amateur career is that short. I've only had one amateur fight um, before turning pro, and then, obviously, I won that, and after that, waited another two years till I hit 20, and then my uncle thought I was ready to turn pro. So that's a big decision to make, really, isn't it? Like, there's a lot of people that they turn over and they say they always, you always hear sort of the commentary teams on the telly go, oh, well, he's not had a lot of amateur experience. He's only had five or six fights. So you've only had one amateur fight. Do you think that's going to be something that's, I mean, I mean, I know you've had nine professional fights so far, but do you think that's something that's hindered you as such in your professional career or, or have you just learned on the job? Yeah, I'd, I'd go as far as saying that. Um, I've had to learn on the job. Um, considering how long I've been in boxing, fight-wise, I'm well, I'm pretty inexperienced. So yeah, it's 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 hindered me to an extent. But you know, I always say there's no point in crying over spilt milk. Just get on with it. So you know, I'm thankful that I've got a good um, good bunch of people around me. Um, so from each fight, it's it's always been a learning curve. So I can't really complain about. Let's move on then, because you've only had that short amateur career. We can move on and let's talk about your your professional career. So you've had nine professional fights. Go back to your debut, 2014. Let's talk about that. What was the feeling like for the first time going to the ring? 2014, that's a long while ago. It never came to mind until you said that. But uh, yes, obviously it's my first first professional fight, trained by my uncle, uh, Askatar. And, oh, mate, it was crazy, crazy experience, you know, especially fighting in my hometown of Derby. And to top it off, I had I had the likes of Tyson Fury, Huey Fury, Peter Fury, uh, even Tommy Fury walking me out. So I'm there thinking, jeez, <laughs> you know, best get that win. Obviously, the nerves are racking up and everything, man. So it's it's a case of just manning up and just getting a fight over and done with. Oh, man, I, I can't explain the feeling, like having all your friends, all your family in your hometown screaming your name, and it's just, it was just great, honestly. Well, obviously having having the Furies walking you out as well, and, you know, that oh, wasn't, yeah. <laughs> wasn't long before Tyson won his, uh, won his world titles. Obviously, a year later, Tyson goes and wins the, the world titles uh, of Vladimir Klitschko, so at this point, he's obviously really making waves on the on the on the world scene so to have them guys walking you out as well on your debut I, there's not a lot of people that get that opportunity that's for sure 100 percent, honestly it was surreal even though i've always wanted to be a professional boxer um you asked me 10 years ago whether whether i could have seen myself actually becoming one i'd say no mate honestly i'm too unfit too unfit too unhealthy uh but, you know, was 10. so let's talk about the first three years as a professional 
and yeah. the first three years was to me looks like a bit of a mixed bag of tricks for you because obviously in that time you'd won you'd won four fights you won your first four fights in in them three years but uh-huh. you'd only you'd only sort of had a fight a year was there a particular reason for that? Yeah, oh man, tell me about it. My first three years was a huge anticlimax, especially going from having, you know, like Tyson Fury walk me out to then only flying like a year later. Um, I mean, it, it's a difficult one to explain. Like, some fights were cancelled, injuries, and it's just a mix and match of everything, honestly. It was, it was getting to a point where I was thinking, you know, maybe this ain't a career path for me. Um, at the time, I was working in a bank, so, you know, I had a pretty good job there. But just nothing from the boxing side at that point. Switch switch management three years later. Uh, obviously, obviously when, I, when my management contract was up at the time, signed for Steve Goodwin. And in a case of two years, he's he's just brought back the fire for me in my career. So, you know, I, I can't complain. It's completely switched things around for me. So after them first four fights, then you get to 2018, you have two wins in 2018. So you're back on track. You're, you're getting active. Two wins in that year. Go into 2019, which was obviously only just gone. And then you have three fights in total. So that was a really, really active year for you. Two victories. And then... The, the last fight was a loss. So, mm. obviously, you went in there against a fellow undefeated fighter, mm. Rodrigo Calabaro. Just talk talk us through it. Just talk us through what, what happened in that fight. You know what? I, I go through this thing every, every time I fight where, you know, make sure I convince myself I'm going to win it. And I just I just couldn't see it. I'm not going to lie and say that, you know, I knew I, you know, I thought I was going to win. Even though I had the best training camp of my whole life I just couldn't convince myself so ultimately I became literally my own worst enemy so I got into a fight um, first round I had a box kid dropped him and then I literally lost focus for a split second get caught with a nasty back end when I say nasty mate I must have grew a couple of inches that's how long my neck stretched out <laughs> um, I mean it didn't completely knock me out I was wobbled tried to hold on to him and then well I fell over <laughs> and then he just he just he just had me when I was dazed, so referee called it, and it is what it is. My first loss, and you know, ultimately my my, my first and um, first lesson. And it was on obviously the bill in Saudi Arabia with with Amir Khan headlining against Billy Dave Huey Fury, also on that particular card as well. Uh, so what was what was that experience in general? Apart from obviously going over there, losing losing your unbeaten record, taking your first loss. What was the experience of going over to to Jeddah like doing that? Experience is beautiful. It's the first time I I. I'm able to go for a full training camp where I'm training two, three times a day, Monday to, uh, well, it's it's Sunday to, no, sorry, Saturday to Thursday, that, because they have Fridays off, right? You know, training six six um, six days a week, um, not having to worry about work, ticket sales, anything, just put my head down and train. It was brilliant. I, you know, for the first time in my whole career, I felt like a true professional because <laughs> obviously I'm in the UK, I'm, you know, I'm training, I'm working, I'm training, I'm working, you know, I've got to go out there, try to sell tickets, everything. Um, so it was difficult. But over there, it just felt amazing, honestly. You're talking about tickets in the UK, selling tickets, and a big part of, of your journey is, is the ability to sell the tickets to cover the cost of the opponents that you're getting in the ring with over here yep. in the UK. How difficult, I was going to say, how difficult has that been for you? When I had my first fight back, um, signed with Steve back in 2017, I think, um, it was difficult because bearing in mind, I had a, had a pretty big break um, I've lost all, all hype and whatnot. Um, so 
it was difficult. The good thing is I've got a lot of family, uh, a lot of close friends who, who who have been helpful, who've always been supportive. Um, so I just just about reached, you know, what I needed to. Um, what as things progressed, as more, you know, as, as more focused I became, I, you know, obviously you've got to socialise in this in this role. You don't even make good luck trying to sell tickets. The more fights are coming, the hyper building up again, and you know, it it became a lot easier. Like I don't need to worry about selling the amount of tickets that the promoter is asking for, because um, you know what, I'm I'm surrounded by a lot of a lot of support and I can't thank these people enough and that's a massive help of course it is because you know without that you, you struggle to to then cover the cost of the opponent and then there's potential pullouts like you're saying and you're training for for a few weeks at a time and then all that training goes to waste so there is a lot of obviously ups and downs uh, that people don't really appreciate when when they see you going up there and say right I've got a fight I'll share it on social media buy some tickets etc and then all mm. of a sudden, the week before, it gets cancelled, it gets pulled out, you have to refund everybody, and you go through that sort of low yeah. part of the sport. And it's difficult, and it must be difficult to, to, to sort of deal with, knowing that you've got certain things that need to happen to be able to make your career progress forward. And, uh, all relied on yourself, you know, sometimes you need that extrinsic help. Um well, you know, a lot of people look at boxing, professional boxing, and think, oh, mate, limelight, TV deals, and whatnot. But I read a, I read a piece of work where literally only 5% of boxers in the whole world actually make a living from, from boxing. And you know what, mate? To put things into perspective, that is a tiny number. Um, so, yeah, people don't actually see the ins and outs of boxing sometimes. It's a true fact, though, as well, because you think about the big men, the mega money earners. And yeah, yeah. You think about like the Floyd Mayweather's of the past ten years, who's strategically placed his fights and got them fights where he knows he's going to get an absolute hell of a lot of money for doing it. You know, yeah. and, and and also he's, he's overconfident. He knows he's going to win these fights as well, whilst making millions, hundreds of millions of dollars at the same time. But when you're at this level, this lower level, you're pushing yourself onto area level to to Commonwealth, <laughs> British, English. You know, before you move on. You've got to you've got to kind of go through that process of being able to get the support around you, and you spoke a lot about support throughout the interview, and and it's something that seems to be really really helpful in your journey so far. So, have you got people that help you out with with ticket sales and and doing the Facebook and Twitter stuff? Is 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 the people around that help you do all that? To be honest, I I do it all myself. You know, um, but obviously when I when I post a few things, you know, a lot of my uh, friends, family, supporters, they they share it. You know, little small thing like that, just just to just to raise a bit of awareness from the fight, it, it, it's appreciated a lot. Um, so, but majority of it's done by myself, me and my cousin, who is also currently training me right now. So it's, it's I mean, I can't complain. I'm surrounded by good people. Well, it's good to hear about your support, Sajid, and, and it's really good that you've got this network of people around you that are helping you push yourself on and, and, and just sort of finishing up on the, the main boxing side of things. In terms of you know where you've come from to where you are, where is it you want to go? Where is it you want to end up in the sport? Most you know, most prospects you speak to, they want they always say the same thing. They want to win titles. They want to get as far as they can. That that stands with me. I want to win titles. I want to get as far as I can. Also, I want to leave behind a name. That's that's what I want out of boxing. On top of that, it's a good platform to encourage youth, um, you know, become a role model and just sway people towards the right side of things. You know, and that's what I like about boxing. You become a boxer, you become become a role model in essence. So. Um, 
but yeah I mean, I'd like to leave a good name behind. I think everybody does. And, and like you said, you said it yourself, uh, every prospect comes on and says, I want to do this. And I want to, most of them will say, I want to be a world champion. But then obviously there's a the few guys that will sit there and say, well, I want to, I want to be a role model. I want to provide for my family. I want to do these things. And it's, it all kind of, it all intertwines with everything. The, the, the more success you get in it, the, the, obviously the more you're going to be able to yeah. do all them things, of course thing is like you can say you want to do as many things as possible but it's just a case of putting your head down and just getting down to doing it you know people people will talk up the world but you know whether they're actually going to put their head down and get get things done is a different question exactly i totally agree with you on that and it's good that you've got that mentality and that mindset uh, about what you want to do with your career and, and and how you then want to go and help people not just take all take as much money as you can take the titles and then go off into the distance and, and, and nobody sort of hears or sees you again. You're there to actually give back as well. And that's what I really love when I speak to, to guys like yourself is that you've got that mentality of that's where you want to go with it all at the end of it all. Because, you know, there's some great success stories out of this sport, but then there's also some really horrible and and tragic stories of, of people yeah, that en- end up with nothing. No, exactly. That's the thing. Boxing, everyone knows boxing is a dangerous sport. You know, the main idea is to fight, win, you know, make your money and come out with, you know, with your health intact. Um, but you know, in some cases, people people don't really go. <laughs> people don't really have that, do they? You know, there's, there's been cases of fighters where they get injured, um, life-threatening injuries at time, and they can't ever box again, and they come out with nothing. So, like, when it comes to any boxers, you know, I, I show mutual respect because I understand how difficult a sport sport is. Let's move in to a little bit about you now. Now, something that I picked up on earlier is you was mentioning the fact that you you, you was working in banking at one point. What uh, is it? You, what is it you do outside of boxing now? Um, so I work in a surgery. Um, so I work in a surgery now. Thanks to my cousin, who's a doctor. I'd, I'd say his name, but I don't think he's uh, he's prone to the limelight. So <laughs> I'll keep that quiet. Yeah. So because of him, you know, with the way how things are set up, he's training me. He's helped me get a job. Because before, I, you know, I wasn't working. Um, I was contemplating why I actually want to do it in my life, um, whether I want to carry on boxing. This was prior to signing with Steve Goodwin. Um, you know, whether I wanted to get back into boxing or whether I should sit down and just work your normal nine to five. You know. Yeah. Um, but you know, after 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 talking to family, um, they were said, "Look, you got talent, so just put, you know, we'll we'll help you out. We just we'll go through it." Um, so that's how. I, uh, ended up working in the surgery. As for hobbies, you know, I, I love my football. Play a bit of football still. And to be fair, football has always been my first love. <laughs> I yeah, you were saying that. Yeah, yeah. I, I played that before I got into boxing. Um, um, so, so yeah. I mean, I can go as far as saying I'm a bit of a bit of a anime anime geek as well. I love watching my anime sometimes when I get <laughs> get a spare moment or two. What's the football team that you support? Oh, mate, you know what? I'll tell you something. I used to sport, I remember the shout Glory Hunter, Glory Hunter, but I used to sport <laughs> Real Madrid. Real Madrid, back when they had the Galacticos era, you know, like Zidane, Figo, Ronaldo, all of them bad boys right there. And then, so I thought, you know what? I'm a support them. <laughs> and um, as, as as years went, I just realised I just enjoy watching football. Um, and the way they treated Casillas, because, mate, that guy was my idol. When I used to play football, I used to paint goals sometimes. And every time I make a save, oh, Casillas, Casillas, Casillas. Loved it, <laughs> but um, yeah. As soon as they got rid of Casillas, I was like, you know, I forget this. I'm just a mutual football fan. 
just like watching football. And you and a lot of others, we all love it. We all love the sport. It's, yeah. it's one of the country's you know greatest sports. We love it. We absolutely love football. And I bet there's loads of people out there that'll uh, that'll have their own opinions. Of course, that's one. It's it's probably football's the other most opinionate, opinionated sport that you can get oh, yeah. on social media. You can go onto Twitter, Twitter in particular, and you'll get argument after argument with with people. And boxing is exactly the same when you go on there and Everyone look at it. Everyone becomes a critic. Yeah, and an expert as well at the same time. <laughs> so no, it's good. It's good to find out a little bit more about you because obviously, you know, the people that come to your fights are friends, family. But then the people that might know a little bit about you but don't know these things about you, you know, it's a great opportunity for them to actually get to know you as a person a little yeah. bit more because obviously you're training, you're a busy guy. You know, it's not like you can you can go around and 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 do loads of different things to sort of get that engagement out there which is why we do things like podcasts and interviews and you know all the rest of it and this is the this is the whole part and parcel of of trying to get someone like yourself out there so it's good that you've shared all them stories and all that information about your career today and 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 where you're looking to go with it all and and obviously the highs the lows you know what's going on for you in the future so it's been fantastic to, to hear about all that and i think just sort of coming to the end i think it's going back to boxing and i think now i want to pick your brains and find out a little bit more about sort of where your boxing loyalties lie so if you're if if you've got a, a night where you've got nothing on and you go into youtube and you're looking and think oh i'm gonna watch a fight tonight what would be the go-to fight for you? Go-to fight. I, I'd say any any one of Emmanuel Augustus' fights, just because he's just such an entertaining fighter. And it's just like, oh, mate, that's my night settled. I can watch him all night. Who was his fight with? Was it Ivan Robinson or Arturo Gatti that he had an absolute cracking fight with? Oh, mate, now you're picking my brains. It was one of them two, and it was an absolutely amazing fight that they had, and it's probably one of the one of the best, if not the best, Emmanuel Augustus fight. And I think for anybody that obviously goes on and looks at the, the, the boxing, and, and the, everyone goes to Gatti Ward or to Hagler Hearns, but you know, yeah. Emmanuel Augustus is is certainly one. And there's one particular fight that that sort of sticks out in my mind that I just remember watching and thinking, oh, this is such a it, such it, a great fight. Could be Gatti, if I remember right. Possibly could be with Gatti. But did you watch it with um, him against Mayweather? Even at that point, Mayweather was saying, you know, one of the most difficult fighters he's ever been up against. I mean, granted that, it's obviously when he's a lot more inexperienced, but people people don't actually realise how good Manuel Gustav is. His record's so deceiving. It was actually Mickey Ward. It was, it was Ward, the fight yeah. that he had. And this was actually, funnily enough, that fight that Augustus had with Ward was the year before it, Ward took on Gatti in their first encounter. So when people talk about Gatti Ward, they don't really think about Augustus versus Ward. So if you listen to this, go and check out Augustus versus Ward. Great uh, fight. So yeah, <laughs> gr- great fighter to go to. That great fighter. Um, any any other sort of particular fighters on the boxing scene at the moment that you know that you probably will never go anywhere near, but kind of look up to and sort of look at him and think, you know, that's kind of where I want to get to. Uh, Lomachenko. I was going to say Amir Khan, but I was kind of chilling with him for a whole month back in Saudi. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Lomachenko. The guy is just crazy. Come back come back from a loss and just, mate, he looks almost unstoppable now, doesn't he? Would you say he's the pound for pound number one in the world at the moment? Pound for pound? I don't know, mate. It's difficult. I mean, I'm just going to go for Lomachenko just because I love him. 
Yeah, a lot, a lot of people have him there. A lot of people do have him there. They really do, and, and obviously I can understand why because of what he's done over the past few years. And obviously, you know, we were talking about your amateur career earlier about the fact yeah. you only had one amateur fight. This guy had nearly four hundred amateur fights. That's absolutely yeah. crazy. He fought um, Rigandale, and together I think they had um, a total of six hundred or seven hundred amateur fights between them. Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy numbers yeah, exactly. that. And then, uh, did you actually watch the fight? Let me check it out with him. Yes, I did. I love that fight, to be fair. <laughs> but yeah. No, so it's good, it's good. It's good to know like these little things, and and it's interesting to know that Emmanuel Augustus is kind of the go-to fighter for you to sort of look at and study study him and, and look at the fights he's been involved with over the years. Uh, so it's really good to know a little bit more about you. And and I think the final sort of wrap-up questions from my side really is, and I know we've talked a lot about support in this interview, and I think one of the questions I haven't actually got around to asking you was about sponsorships because i know how important that is to, to a professional yeah, fighter and, well yeah so i mean I, you know, i've got to give a massive shout out to my sponsors really so we have the drs rematch elite auto restore gym city and ak um architecture honestly they they they're supporting me for this next fight to be fair about them training camp you know wouldn't be the same <laughs> No, it's it's so good that these guys are supporting you. So a big shout out to them because obviously without the support and support of people around you, it wouldn't be possible to to keep yourself going the way you have done. And it's really good to hear about where your career uh, has come from, where it is, to where you want to go with it. And it's been a pleasure to have you on. And thank you so much for for sharing your story with us. Uh, Pleasure's all mine, mate. I appreciate you having me. So there you go, fight fans. Great interview with Sajid Abid there. Go and check him out on social media. Follow his journey. Follow his career. See how he gets on in his next fight on the 29th of February. Obviously, if you've enjoyed listening to this, please go and give the ones to watch podcast a rating on Apple Podcast or whatever podcast app you're using. Go and give us a follow on Twitter at ones to watch pod and on Facebook. The main page is BTR Boxing Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on that and let us know your thoughts on this episode. Make sure you give us that rating. Really important to us. We appreciate it so, so much. So, fight fans, this has been Ones to Watch with Sajid Abid. We'll see you next time. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.